Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Well, hi, friend. Today's episode is a special one. I'm chatting today with Pastor Fred Williams from Snohomish Community Church. You'll hear more about him in a moment, but I'm honored that he sat down with me and talked with me about the church's response during these tough times. I believe it's a thoughtful conversation that I hope and pray encourages you and causes you to reflect. I should say that this episode has not only encouraged and challenged me, But I also sat down and for the first time in nine months, I wrote a blog post because I really wanted to flesh out my own thoughts um, about this topic. You are welcome to go and check that out at findingsomethingreal.com. And if you haven't checked out the free Deep Faith Questions resource yet, that's also available for you over there. When you sign up to receive that, you'll also sign up for my email list. And uh, every once in a while, I send out an email with encouragement and reflections, and hopefully that encourages you. Anyway, back to this episode, we recorded it over three weeks ago, knowing it would air in mid-November. And I think the timing is more than a little ironic or coincidental. As I share this today, the COVID-19 cases in the United States are skyrocketing. And in the past week, the government restrictions on gatherings and worship have become more severe, especially in coastal states like Washington, where I live. Um, There's also new restrictions and rules about indoor businesses and face coverings and social distancing. It's a lot to digest and try to make sense of, and it feels very polarizing and isolating right now to many people. But two things I want to encourage you with before I hit play on this episode First of all, please, if you are a Christ follower listening to this, maybe you are frustrated with the government or the church's response during this pandemic. Maybe you're hurting. But please, please pray for the church. Pray for unity. Pray for your pastor and leaders. Pray for our government. Pray for those who need hope so desperately right about now. Pray for those you agree with and those you don't agree with. And secondly, if you're not sure about Christianity, but you are curious about faith and searching, thank you for being here. 
I pray you'll know that you are not alone in wondering about some of these issues we're about to talk about. I pray that you'll know that the God of the universe sees you. And as Pastor Fred says in our interview, I pray you'll hear this message loud and clear, especially today. God knows, God cares, and God is involved. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I am very excited to be continuing our talks on deep faith questions. We've had some really good ones these past couple of months, and um, I don't know about you, but I've just been encouraged and also challenged by some of the conversations that have taken place over the past few weeks. Today is no exception, and I'm very excited to be chatting with today's guest. Um, He's from Snohomish, and if you're not familiar, Snohomish is a western Washington town that I love and grew up in. Um, It's about 45 minutes north of Seattle. In fact, my parents recently moved from Snohomish after being part of that community for almost 40 years. Um, But for the past seven years or so, they found a church home at a place called Snohomish Community Church. Um, My parents have loved going there, and over the years I've heard so much about it. I've visited multiple times. Um, I've been sent many sermons by my mother. And last year, when my folks went to Israel with a group from there, they became even more excited about what God was doing in and through that church body. Fred Williams is the lead pastor of um, Snohomish Community, and he studied biblical exposition at the Talbot School of Theology. He's married with adult children, a boy and a girl. Um, but I'm very excited to welcome him to the Finding Something Real podcast. Fred, welcome. It is great to be here. I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> well, me too. I've been, as I mentioned before, uh, we started recording. Um, I, I've heard a lot about you, um, and I've watched a lot of your sermons and this, uh, just listening to you preach uh, the truth and love over the last few years has been encouraging to me. And um, I told my mom several months ago, you know, one guest I would love to have on my podcast would be your pastor. And so it's a joy to have you here. And I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it's true. So before we dive in and chat about something I think, and I think you would agree is so relevant to the world we're living in right now, would you first share a little bit more about yourself? What is your story? How did you come to faith? Sure. Yes. Um, I grew up uh, for about 10 years uh, in Detroit, Michigan, and the suburbs of Detroit, both. Uh, I loved it. Um, My formative years uh, were there right on into partway through high school. Um, And then my dad, who's a pretty bright guy, just began to see the handwriting on the wall regarding the auto industry Mm. in the late 70s. Um, and started looking at a different industry. Um, And so he kind of did the go west young man kind of mantra. And we went and moved to Southern California. Uh, And then my dad uh, went into the uh, space industry. Um, Did a a really great job as an engineer there. But um, that changed my entire life. I mean, moving from the suburbs of Detroit to Huntington Beach, California, uh, was a drastic change. And I'll confess, I was not happy 
for about <laughs> six months, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, but, you know, I, um, if you picture like the Wonder Years, uh, mm-hmm. an episode, that's kind of like my life, that neighborhood, all of those things. It's a fascinating thing. Um, mm-hmm. But left all that, moved to California. And then in a, about six months later, we landed in a great church that ended up uh, having a, a significant impact upon my life. And it, that, that impact remains. Um, and so I'm really grateful uh, for the move. How old were you when you guys moved? So, yeah, um, after my sophomore year, no, after my freshman year in college is when we moved. Uh, six months before we moved, I um, gave my life to Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm very grateful that when the Lord saved me, he impressed upon me how real that was. Uh, I've never really struggled with a lot of doubt. I know that is a very real thing Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of empathy for people and I've helped people many times through that. But um, I bring that up to say that when we moved to California, I didn't forget what had happened to me six months before we left. Mm -hmm. And that ended up uh, really helping me stay uh, focused on finding a great church, finding the right friends Um, And the Lord blessed me there and my whole family. Um, And then about 11 days after I graduated from high school, living in Southern California, I had a friend fall off an 11-story balcony in Hawaii, Mm. hit a palm tree, fell, lived four days, and then died. And that really brought about an abrupt change, uh, even in my very Christian world, and that I lost all desire to do anything but ministry. Hmm. And it was a real significant thing in my family um, that I would change on a dime almost over the course of a handful of days or weeks after his death. um, I surrendered to go into the ministry. I felt a definite call. I don't think pastors have to have that definitive of a call. Mm -hmm. I think a desire is also a call uh, very much. Uh, But for me, it was a little different. And maybe, uh, maybe I'm a little stubborn and the (laughs) Lord really speak to me. Um, And so he used that event um, to do exactly that. I Ended up changing my direction education-wise. Went into a small Bible college that fall. Um, graduated. Went into seminary after that. When I graduated from high school, because I'm not a very smart guy, I did nine straight Septembers after high school of furthering my education. And that's not because I got these crazy advanced degrees. It just took... <laughs> It took me a little while. I turned my uh, Master's of Divinity, which is a significant degree, from a three-year program into a five-year program. And then, of course, I had that four-year undergrad. Hmm. Um, That's a long story to tell you. um, (laughs) That's how God grabbed my heart and brought me into his family and brought me into the ministry. Wow. So uh, rewinding a little bit, you were a little bit older when you came to faith than a teenager. I was. I just turned 16. Okay. 
Uh, my folks had us in church. It's all I've ever really known. Uh, they were really good about that. Um, and put us in good churches, whether I knew it or not at the time. Mm -hmm. um, Youth for Christ um, came to our church and did a conference. And that's how I gave my life to Christ through their ministry that our church invited them in, in the basement of that church in the suburbs of Detroit. Mm. Um, wow. You know, so it's a special memory for me. Wow. And then a couple of years later, when your friend passed away uh, in such a tragic way, I know a lot of people, uh, it, it seems, it's interesting. I've interviewed different people, different guests on here and when there's something that dramatic that happens in a life, uh, people either turn the opposite direction from God or they turn to him. What, looking back, your pastor obviously reflected on this, like what was it that, that you believe caused you to turn towards him? Sure. And this sounds very Christianese or the pastor thing to say, but honestly, Every there are parts of me that tends to run from God when things are difficult. Um, I am a frail man this side of heaven, even as a pastor, right? But it was the grace of God that grabbed my heart unmistakably at that time. And uh, I didn't go into any kind of deep despair. Um, God held me so close. I didn't run from him. I ran to him. And so I, I, I honestly, I think God made himself more real to me during that time for a very specific purpose. Mm -hmm. And that was to really grab my heart uh, fully uh, so much so that I became blind to all other avenues. My dad raised me telling me my whole life that I was going to go sell something and make a lot of money. <laughs> and it was almost irrelevant what that would be. Um, and even well into my high school years, uh, he said, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I believed him. And it made sense to me. It still makes sense, I suppose. He wasn't wrong, um, but God had other plans. Uh, and so that was an interesting conversation. When I decided to give my life to ministry, I had to talk with my father, whom, while I loved, I was intimidated by at times. Mm -hmm. And uh, we sat down at a table. 30 minutes later, we got up, and he said, if you're going to do this, go all the way. And through all of my undergrad, through those little bit longer years of my graduate work, when I thought and wrestled with bowing out early, um, never bowing out of ministry, but education got a little old at times, he was the man that said, you have to stay in there. You will not regret it. You've made it this far. Mm -hmm. I say all that to say that he he became a really, really big coach for me. Um, and so uh, it was just a, a blessing, I suppose, for me, but also it blessed my family as well. Wow. 
that takes a lot of courage to tell your dad who's been telling you for such a long time that you would be one thing that actually you feel like you were called to something else. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if it's right to say I'm proud of my father, but I have such respect that he didn't fight me on it. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure uh, I had my arms around it properly, that it wasn't just an emotional thing. Yeah. Uh, but, and he helped me in that area too, but um, he didn't, he, let, he just encouraged me to do it. Wow. So how long have you been in ministry? Only 34 and a half years. <laughs> well, that's a long time. Um, and I guess, Fred, one of the reasons that I was excited to talk to you, I, I've seen how you, you preach and how you love um, the church body there in Snohomish, um, how you, you don't water down the truth, but you say it in a way that's loving and humble. Um, and right now, in the world. I'm, I'm sure you're living in the same world I am. Uh, you know, things are kind of chaotic and messy. And um, before I ask you the deep faith question, I actually was thinking, and I, I don't think I've ever done this before, I wanted to read a couple of scripture verses to kind of lay the foundation. I think I've heard you use that phrase, let's lay the foundation <laughs> first, right? So these are the ones I use, and, and maybe um, I'm taking them out of context, and you can let me know if I am. But I was thinking John 13, verse 34, Jesus is talking to Peter, I think, or talking to the disciples. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And then skipping over to John 15, 12 and 13, um, he says again, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then I thought I would read one more, one more set out of Colossians, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And this is a letter I think that you'll you'll know. Paul wrote to the church at Colossia. Am I right? Okay, good. Um, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And further down in uh, Colossians 4, verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Mm. So, Fred. <laughs> uh, powerful verses, by the way. Yeah. I'm always trying to think of the listener to this program who doesn't know the Lord. Somebody who's feeling like they're on the outside looking in. Um, maybe they've grown up in the church and they're just feeling like they're on the fringe Maybe it's somebody who's never really had uh, a uh, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but is thinking about, is that something that they want? Um, They're just feeling unsure. I want this place to be a place of grace and honesty. But I guess something that's really bothered me during these past few months, if I'm being honest as a Christian, especially when I think of that listener, is the church's response to what's happening in our culture today. Um, I mean, 
I guess I want to know, am I just being overly critical of what's happening in the church right now? Uh, what do you see in terms of the American church and their response to all this? Yeah, it's a great question. And it may be one of the more paramount questions on my mind, even since the beginning of the, the pandemic. Um, I am very fascinated. Um, it's my world. Uh, watching how pastors respond to life, how they respond to the pandemic, how they respond to that social unrest that we still have going on, how they're responding to uh, the election. And by the way, um, part of my fascination is I want to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have you know a corner on the truth here. Um, and so it, it's, it's a growing time for me. It's sometimes a time where God has led me in, in viewing all that is going on to personal repentance, um, to help me again, kind of find my true North. And I suppose the one thing I would want pastors and honestly, even those outside the church to know that the loudest voice and the most helpful voice through all of this is God's voice. And we tend to make other things louder. The culture's voice. Uh, Let's just take a great example of um, the social unrest, the racial tensions that are out there. Mm -hmm. And we as pastors and as Christians um, could be very easily swayed hearing the hurt, um, the, uh, and and oftentimes, of course, real hurt uh, from this whole issue of of racism, which God finds abhorrent. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. And I don't deny that it exists in our world. Um, But even then, you have to, in order to interpret properly the hurt that people are going through, you have to filter it through what God says. And sometimes we tend to switch it. And let me see if I can try to just explain that briefly. If, in fact, you allow the loudest voice to be depraved, sinful people, you will invariably end up in a place that is not necessarily true. However, if in fact you can, like those verses that you said, love as God loved, recognize that he loves us, and recognize he is not ignorant to what is happening in his creation, then you can begin to properly evaluate the hurt out there that one god knows um two what is the crying out i mean what what is the deepest need out there and god helps us see that the deepest need the the whole time has been for the gospel it has been to the the love of christ When we're hurting, we sometimes think our deepest need is something else. 
and, and going back to this issue of the the unrest, the social unrest, oftentimes what we would hear on social media or even through friends and even in our congregations is the deepest need is to address the racism. Mm. And I would say that has to be addressed. No argument. We may uh, see it differently, but yes, let, let's address it. But that's not the deepest need. Mm-hmm. And it, if, you, if we address it, the racial tension or the racial concerns, um, as the primary deepest need in an effort to actually comfort people, we have done them a disservice because if in fact they are not right with God, if in fact they don't realize that they are, their biggest predicament is that they are at odds with a holy God. And if we lead them to believe that their life can find meaning in any other way, then we have done that world a terrible disservice. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and pardon me, if, if I need to clarify any of it, I'm happy to do it. No, no, it's good. I, I guess I want to ask you um, a more pointed issue that I think is very controversial in the church right now and uh, has actually come up in personal conversations with ministry leaders Um going back to the gospel, because I totally agree with you. Um, you know, <laughs> the hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's that's it. Um, I listened to a podcast called Unbelievable with Justin Brierley. It's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's a fantastic um, uh, program put out by Premier Radio out of the UK. And not long ago, he had a couple of ministry leaders from the UK, a well-known pastor out of Australia, Mark Sayers, and a Christian virologist, A.J. Roberts, uh, from California. And as they talked about the American church's response to this pandemic um, and all that's going on culturally, specifically uh, the rebellion against social distancing measures by the church, um, it honestly made me feel embarrassed um, as an American Christian. I'm sitting here agreeing with my brothers and sisters in other countries. I, as you know, I have a 76-year-old uh, father who's got underlining health issues who I love very much. My mom's asked us to be really respectful of his health conditions, and I'm trying to do that. I have a friend who's lost her father to COVID with all that's happening with uh, you know, social distancing and masks. And um, I was having an honest conversation with a ministry leader not long ago, um, it's just, uh, it's so confusing right now. Um, and I, I consider myself a pretty strong believer. I love the Lord. Um, you know, I've given my life to him. I've surrendered it all. I, I do this as ministry. It's important to me. Um, but what do you say to all that, Fred? Because it's, these are confusing times. And when people tell me they're critical of the church, honestly, it, it makes me feel oh, irritated because God loves the church. He loves it's his bride, but I sometimes, I think I have a pride issue because I get so frustrated. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's a polarizing time uh, for uh, the church and how we're responding to this. 
Um, let me just couch what I want to say with something that that needs to be out there. In 34 and a half years, the biggest difficulty I've ever faced as a pastor, that's interesting. It isn't, you would think it would be uh, marriages crumbling. Uh, you would think it would be uh, false doctrine. Um, and those are all issues and I can name a few others. It's a, it is an indictment. I guess upon the church, I, I, you know, I want to be careful here. I mean, I, I'm talking about people that I'm in the same army as that the most difficult thing I have ever faced is this issue of wearing a mask, uh, social distancing. And, uh, I, I've been troubled by it. I've been troubled by it. It's probably good that we're doing this podcast <laughs> now because the last three or four weeks have been much better. Mm. Um, and, and I'm so glad. Um, but it's been a, it's been a, a heartbreaking time. I heard one pastor and, and, and he, he was using science as well as gut. He was using statistics as well as his gut feel that with the onslaught of pastors stepping out of ministry during this time, he estimated that 2020 will see more pastors exit the ministry than in the last 10 years. Huh. I don't know if he's right. He doesn't know if he's right. Um, and and he, he was careful, but I think the point is, well, well made. It is a very difficult time for the church. Pastors are not knowing how to react. And it's sad that the most difficult thing I've ever faced is a mask. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? Why, why has it become such a hot issue? You know, honestly, both sides of the aisle on this um, have been troubling to me. But if I had to boil it down, I suppose, and if I if my if I had to respond to my church saying, give us the bottom line concern, I would say I have been taken back at the Christian's unwillingness to put on a mask and social distance while at church, no matter how you feel about the issues, um, for the sake of helping your brother or sister in Christ be able to relax and worship. Um, and that, I, I'm troubled by that still. Mm -hmm. I'm troubled by it. I had one, one ministry leader, uh, tell me that it was a spiritual thing that she couldn't wear one because it offended her spiritually. I've um, been on social media and <laughs> I've seen Christians, strong Christians say that it's demonic. Um, I've been told uh, that maybe I'm just called to a time of isolation right now um, <laughs> because I, I do think that we should be wearing masks. I don't know. It's, it's so troubling to me. And then at the same time, I, I feel 
like, am I the only, I <laughs> like, what is going on here? Am I being insubordinate to Christian leadership? You know, am I not, do I not have enough faith? I've also been told that. Um, I, it's just, it's hurtful. And if I was a, a weaker believer, um, this would be very, I mean, I don't know if the same guy that gave you the prediction for the, the pastors exiting the church ministry uh, also wanted to predict on people who are on the fringes mm-hmm. of faith exiting. But if I was in the world uh, and not in the church looking at all this, I'd be like, what, what is the problem? And, um, you know, when I, when I shared that verse uh, with the ministry leader about laying down, you know, love lays down, there was such a offense taken and it was out of a spiritual righteousness, I was told. And so I feel, um, I use the word feel because I'm a feeler, but I, I feel confused sometimes, Fred. So how, how do we respond biblically to all of this? I read those scriptures because that's, I think, the foundation of how I want to respond to this. But I, it's confusing. And, and there are times when I just feel so frustrated and, and hurt. Wow. Uh, by the way, you couched the issue really, really well uh, with the examples that you gave. Um, and I, and I'm probably personally err slightly on the, I'm not so mask oriented, mm-hmm. but even then, you have brothers and sisters out there that are, they're legitimately worried. They're not faking it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a concern about being sick. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to play the doctor card or the scientist card because I'm neither one. Right. But I'll play the pastor card here. Mm-hmm. And can't you then put the mask on make it not that big of a deal because the love that you have for your brothers and sisters is greater. Hey, Timothy got circumcised (laughs) as an adult. (laughs) I mean, you got weird here, you know I mean? But my goodness, but he did it to take away any barrier Hmm. that he might have and, and ministering with the apostle Paul. Hmm. And, now let's come back, you know, and go 2000 years forward. We're talking about putting on a mask uh, for 60 minutes. And I've been told um, I'm letting fear dominate me. And quite honestly, I've had a hard time not being defensive there. Cause quite honestly, I'm not afraid one bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not beyond being afraid. There's plenty that I from time to time am afraid of, but, I'm not afraid one bit. That's not the point whatsoever. Um, and nor do I think it's an act of faith not to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, can I just can I just speak to those verses that you read for yeah. a moment as it relates to this? Some of the the thing that really gets me with Jesus's call to love one another, you know that this is a new commandment I give you. But love wasn't new. They were told in the Old Testament. And those disciples, many of them would have known. So what's new? And here's the newness of it. And this is what New Testament Christians are called to. 
We're not to love one another. We're to love one another as Christ loves us. That's the new element here. Mm. And so you got to ask yourself, and it's, it's important to do it. All right. And we have to ask ourselves from time to time, how does Christ love me? <laughs> okay, then I need to model that. And if people went deep there and they were truthful and just had even a mild biblical foundation behind that truthfulness, I doubt that they would have a problem wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean honestly, if we ask people to do a somersault coming in, if that would, you know, help people, you know, whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm being ridiculous to make the point. Yeah. I'm not advocating ridiculousness. And I don't think putting on the mask is a ridiculous thing. Mm -hmm. And this is from a guy that is probably a tad more laissez-faire about that whole thing. But even I could never. Yeah. Um, would never want to be that person that stood in the way of somebody else hearing God. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's been a, that's been a tough thing for me. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I I hate the mask personally. I mean, I just do. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think everybody does. Um, but I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, and, but it took me a while to get there. Um, I, you know, when this all started, and Gwyneth Paltrow was on a plane wearing a mask, and they the headline on CNN the next day was nobody needs to wear a mask, the CDC says, you know, or whatever. I'm like, Ooh, that that feels good. I'm glad we don't have to be in a world where we're wearing masks, right? But I still went on Amazon and Googled it. <laughs> they were all sold out. Um, so t naturally, I tend to have a fearful disposition, right? And I, I have to fight that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Cannon Beach Christian Conference Center. I am. Okay. My husband and I, we go every year. We take our family. This is, I think we've gone five times, five times as a family. And um, we didn't think that we were going to be able to go in July uh, because of everything going on with the pandemic. Um, and then it was still open. And we had friends that canceled last minute because they weren't sure what they were doing, you know, to make it safe. And I was telling my husband, maybe this is the stupidest thing we've ever done going because, you know, we could get COVID. It was right when all the cases were spiking in July. And we went down there and the mask issue, it was a non-issue. You just wore it. And they acted like it was no big deal. And I thought, well, this is interesting until it came to worship. And I was upstairs. They have an upper room because they had an overflow area if you didn't feel comfortable going into the church. And I was sitting up there during worship time with a bad attitude. I wasn't really worshiping God. I had my mask halfway on. I was sitting there just like <laughs> irritated that I have to wear a mask uh, while I'm worshiping the God of the universe, you know, that this isn't right. This isn't right in my mind. And it was and I love how the Holy Spirit does this. Uh, when he speaks to me, he's so gentle. <laughs> but it was just this gentle reminder of Corey Ten Boom. And if you're not familiar with Corey Ten Boom, she wrote the memoir, The Hiding Place. Um, yeah. And she um, she talks about her family. You know, they, they hid Jews uh, during the Holocaust. They got caught. They ended up, her father, who was elderly, died um, a couple, I think it was like 10 days after being um, taken. 
Um, she was in solitary confinement for uh, I think it was months in the dark. She was looking for like some sort of insect to keep her, you know, uh, company. She ends up at Ravensbrück concentration camp where every day she lives in fear that her number is going to be called and she's going to go and be executed. Her sister ends up dying, her best friend in the world. And after all of that, she writes a memoir about God's love. And she says, uh, there's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And that quote came back to me in my moment of being up there and having my little pity party. And there was just this realization that my pit of wearing a mask over my face was not that deep of a pit and that maybe my pity party needed to change a little bit. And I realized that I could worship God freely up there and it didn't matter, you know. Um, but I did want to uh, I just wanted to share that from that confession for anyone. I'm glad you did. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's powerful. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think Corey Tin Boone would have wore the mask. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I think she would have uh, you know been happy to have that uh, as an option for some of the things she went through. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask you: Do you think there's a line? Because uh, one of the one of the things that I've heard from pastors, and I I I hear this, um, is that. Once we wear a mask, what other right are they going to take away? What other thing is going to be taken from us? And I know John MacArthur, who's in California, perhaps that's a little different. He's uh, initially, they were told they couldn't uh, even sing. But is there, is part of it that, and is there a line that you say, well, I'm, we're not going to cross that? Or do you think about those things? I do. Um, I totally get uh, the slippery slope argument. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm sensitive to it. Um, I do believe it's completely possible for the government to overstep. Um, and then Christians would have to say, okay, well, um, we respect you. We totally respect the law that God has established. But we believe in your humanness. You have overstepped mm -hmm. what God has called us to. But here's my thing with that. I think that is up to individual pastors, elder boards, and congregations to make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Um, I love uh, John MacArthur's ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of it. I go to his conference. I've been 10 times, I bet. Um, I think he is doing what he feels is best for grace community. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to question that. Mm -hmm. If that's where he and his elder board have prayed and have, have, have ended up, then I let them answer to the God for that. And I, I genuinely don't judge them on that. By the way, they have really crazy restrictions that in Washington I don't have. Mm. And, and I want to be sympathetic to that. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think what he's doing is the call of every other new Testament church. Mm. It is every new Testament church that should though watch for government overstep and then and then pray with your elders in your congregation 
about the best way to respond to that. And we, we've done that here, mm-hmm. uh, actually. Uh, by the way, we're highly committed to, and we use CDC guidelines, um, you know, as really, uh, we, we use that as our grid through how we uh, go about doing our worship services. And we, it is a topic of conversation, like on an agenda um, weekly, because we want to keep our people safe and we want them to feel safe so that they can worship freely. Um, and I'll confess, we're probably more motivated to keep our people safe and make decisions for what that means for us than to follow every letter of the law that is presently coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think there's some government overreach. Yeah. Now, that said, everything we've done, and I'm, and I'm not so naive as to believe that what I'm about to tell you actually went anywhere. Everything we've done, I have personally written our governor and told him. Mm-hmm. And I've appealed to him. And I have um, thanked him, shown respect for him. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, I've invited him to our services because I think he would see um, that clearly we were holding to the spirit of the law. But the one thing that gets tricky is, as a church, we're not comfortable turning people away. And we do believe it would affect our worship. And I don't believe the government can tell us how to worship. Hmm. I think that is constitutionally protected. Mm-hmm. I'm getting really down a crazy path here. <laughs> um, it's quite honestly very opinion-laden. Uh, and so I want to be careful there. Yeah. But I, I, I'm trying to answer the question that you asked. Yeah. And so I totally get the slippery slope. Have you, and we're taking that in consideration here. Have you had to turn people away from coming to church? You won't do it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> we <laughs> We won't do it. Yeah. We will not. um, No way. Will we ever say, I'm sorry, we're too crowded. Um, We, uh, if in fact, we, if we have one more person over this limit, we are sinning. We don't believe we are. Yeah. Um, And so, no, we won't turn anybody away. But here's, here's what we do. Um, we take the crowds that God has given us week in and week out without turning anybody away. And we work like crazy to adjust so that we can take that same crowd and be even safer the next week. Mm-hmm. You know, a church that has a hundred, um, they've set up a, a mode of operation that they can exist. But I would hope, that if they started having 150, they would adjust and, and change that mode, uh, their practices, their protocols to accommodate that 150. And that's what we've done. We just started a fourth worship service uh, two weeks ago. Wow. And this is all in an effort to certainly respect our government, but again, we're primarily driven uh, by the need to keep our people safe and to feel safe. Mm-hmm. So we started a fourth service because we started having crowds 
and we're not going to turn them away that we're pushing the limit, even, even our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. One more question on that. Have you had any people tell you they won't come to church because you're making people wear masks or that you? Oh, Janelle. What? Janelle. <laughs> I, God's hearing me now. So I, I'm going to choose my words very carefully. He heard you the whole other time too. Just <laughs> <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I, from the first week of July, I would say safely through the end of the end of September, there was not one week, not one week where I did not have somebody write me and say, um, I, I don't believe I should wear a mask. I believe I'm acting in fear. I'm telling my kids, mm. um, to wear a mask is to not trust God. They would receive a mixed message then when they come into your church and see a sign requesting us to put on a mask. Um, it is violating my conscience to wear a mask. Uh, and then, of course, I received some of the others, which, you know, they're saying, we have people there that aren't wearing a mask. <laughs> what do I do? You know, and uh, so I'm not coming. So over and over nonstop. And, and to be fair, we request, we don't require. And to require would put us in the position of putting guards at the door. Right you may not come in but that gets really twisted because there are some people that can't wear a mask yeah they have some respiratory issues um and i don't know that we want to start collecting doctor's notes at the door right and so we we hope maybe naively that the clear request that we make with my updates throughout the week, with the signs that we're putting on, with our things that we put in our website, um, thanking them for wearing masks, that they'll clearly see, we're requesting that you wear a mask. We are not gonna make an issue on a Sunday morning when we're about to worship. Yeah. Um, so I say, let's say, oh my goodness, week after week after week after week after week, I had people opt out and then, by the way, go somewhere else. And that's fine if you want to go somewhere else. But just understand what you're saying to your pastor when you go somewhere else. You're saying, you at one time were my spiritual authority, but because of how you feel about this piece of cloth, I am now firing you as my spiritual authority. That's, I'm being a little harsh, but... And I'm going to go somewhere else. That's a big, a big step for a Christian. I don't know. I don't know that they realize that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so there it is. And, you know, one, the message we're giving to that world out there questioning whether God is real, what does the gospel mean, um, I think we should be very cognizant of the message that we're giving to those people. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there it is. Yeah, that's good. Um, Okay, one more question on that. And then my final question. Um, How, how can the church do better? How can we love better during times like this, Uh, especially individuals who may be you know, they're connected to a church, but they're feeling, uh, you know, disconnected. I mean, how how do we do better? Well, from a pastor point of view, and there's a few points of view, I suppose, that could be addressed here. I, I believe now is the time that our people need to hear God's voice more than they ever have that we should go into our pulpits and say, let's take this next half hour and look at what God has said to us through his living word. And it is not the time to start philosophizing, pontificating, uh, sharing your own, uh, you know, nuggets it is more than ever the time to open up the scriptures and explain the scriptures let god speak very loudly Hmm. i had a fellow tell me one time i've never forgotten it um i finished preaching a sermon he came up front and he goes hey thank you um i really appreciate it obviously you put some work into it i do want to say one thing to you pastor man i have a really tough life I own my own business. I work Monday through Saturday. I'm kind of tired a lot of times. What I need more than anything when I come to church is to hear God. I have to hear God in order to sustain, be sustained Monday through Saturday. And what he was kindly telling me is he was hearing a little bit too much Fred (laughs) and not enough God. Mm. And I will tell you what, I took it to heart. I took it to heart. Now's the time for people to hear from God. Mm. And you know what? What they will hear at the right times and the appropriate times is God knows God cares, and God is involved. And we need to hear that message. Mm -hmm. You can't take on the scriptures and do a proper job of speaking to what they say and the implications uh, without getting into God knows, God cares, and he is involved. Mm -hmm. And that's that to me is what Christians need to be doing right now to one another. What pastors should be doing to their flock. We need to double down on talking about what God has said. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Well, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love, which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? 
boy, I uh, want to give you like three sermons right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I would just say, and I hope it addresses the question. I, I really want to, um, that the love that we have for one another, I mean, it just goes back to these verses that you've shared and the power uh, that that can have, that God can use that in such a profound way to minister to one another and to communicate this hope to those that are on, uh, on the outside looking in and just really wondering as we love one another as Christ, there it is, loved us. I, I just believe that that can be such a palpable, effective message. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Love. Wow. Pastor Fred Williams, thank you so much for taking the time and being on the podcast. You've given me a lot to think about, and I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure my parents will listen to this. So hi, Joe and Shannon. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.